Oh, I've been uh, addicted to... You should get Yahtzee. I've never played. You've never played Yahtzee? Is it an online thing we could play together? Yeah, it's an app on your phone. Uh, and I've... <laughs> everyone at work convinced me to get it. Mm-hmm. I don't like mobile games. I don't play mobile games, but I have I been... I play a couple. I've been addicted to this. I um, Right now I'm playing the Harry Potter uh, mm. mobile game where you can play as a student in Hogwarts. Mm. Actually, there is a console game coming out that you can create a character and go to school. I think I saw that. Yeah, they were... Next year, I think. They were working on it, yeah. But I have like eight games with my coworker, Katie. I have like six games with Amy. Is it Yahtzee with buddies? Yes. Yahtzee. Oh, wait, hold on. Don't get it yet. Cancel. Yeah, let me... I need to invite you. Well, I need to install it. But I need to invite you. You need to use the link to get an invite oh. to install it. So that gives me some dice. <laughs> I need the dice. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Keep the six. I'm gonna roll one more, one more time. More sixes. Keep those sixes. Roll one more time. Four sixes. I would play that on four of a kind, but I already did that, so I'm gonna play it on my fours or on my sixes. That's pretty much it. Oh, this is gonna take some figuring out. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Stop moving your nipples like that. Welcome to the 63rd episode of Beer and Fear. My name is Zach. My name is Paige. We're gonna do this episode on Aoki Gahara. Aoki Gahara. Aoki Gahara. It doesn't sound Japanese. Aoki. Aoki Gahara. Mm-hmm. Aoki Gahara. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I was about to say I don't know what it means, but I do because it's part of my thing. I don't know what that is. I didn't make any notes. We're going in <laughs> blind with wild assumptions. Let's just this entire episode talk about what we think Aoki Gahara is. Yeah, we're not going to talk about what it actually is. We're just going to guess. What do you think, listeners? Uh, zero of you. It's a type of sushi. It could be. If it's Japanese, it's a good uh, good. I bet. would not eat a sushi roll based off of the Suicide Forest. <laughs> what if it's really good, though? I just feel like that's, that's in poor taste. <laughs> it's very tempting. Anything sushi is tempting. <laughs> this uh, topic was suggested by Ale um, forever ago uh, when I told her we had a podcast. She was one of the few people who actually cared. And um, I told her what it was about and how we have a list of topics. And she, she sh- you should do Aoki Kahara. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Pretty much every time you recommend a topic, I was like, what the hell are you talking about, Paige? I've never very, heard that in my life. Very consistently with that. <clears throat> so I added it to uh, the list of topics and I, I put her name next to the recommended thing. And <laughs> it just worked out. So... Thanks, Ale. Aoki Gahara. We'll talk about it, but we're going to talk about how uh, how our weeks were since we saw each other last. Anything important or special to share? Anything happened this week? Like any holidays? No. I don't I know of. Maybe I, not, not, not. Oh, uh, I think Hanukkah started. Oh, yeah. Should message uh, Michael. When does Kwanzaa start? I don't know. I'm not a Kwanzian. <laughs> Well, we had... Um, Kwanzian? I'm not a Kwanzian. That doesn't seem right. Oh, we when we recorded, Thanksgiving was already a thing. Yeah. We talked about Thanksgiving. Did you do anything for Black Friday? <coughs> I came here and recorded. <laughs> oh, that was on Friday? Mm-hmm. That was on Friday. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't shop either. I think the older you get, the less you care I about it. No, I don't shop on Black Friday. No, fuck that. It just seems like a way for businesses to lie about sales oh that's true i actually i bought pants i went to kohl's and i bought some pants i only bought some shoes that was our black friday shopping spree i needed nice pants <laughs> we talked about thanksgiving already so thanksgiving was nice um yep my what did i do with my saturday oh i went to my parents mm-hmm. i went to my parents on saturday and hung out with them and then i spent the night at their house and i hung out with them on sunday too it's nice you've been getting to see them pretty often. I try to see them as often as I can. <laughs> Absolutely. My dad was like, you can come over whenever you want. And I've tried that before because there was one day I forgot my phone charger there mm-hmm. on Sunday and I went to pick it up on Monday. 
And with traffic, I didn't get there till seven thirty. Jeez. Yeah, and they uh, they go to bed at nine, so it's like <laughs> it's like my parents. Kind of pointless. Yeah. But my this week was good. Um, work was good. It kind of flew by. I've been uh, marathoning the Avengers with my roommate. Ooh. Oh, like in order? Yeah, in chronological the... order. Mm-hmm. Which is annoying because there are so many different lists of the actual order. Oh yeah. And kind of like Star Wars. It's like, uh, which one's the right one? So I think I found one that works. Um, well, the on Disney Plus they have the order. Yeah, we can't find the list anymore, so mm. I just had to find a list online. Hmm. But I typed in chronological order Avengers series Disney Plus, and I think I found the list. That's the one that they use. Nice. They don't have the Incredible Hulk, so we had to skip that. What the fuck? Incredible Hulk was made by Universal, and Disney Plus doesn't have a contract with them. <laughs> but Sony allowed Disney to put their stuff on Disney Plus because they have a contract together. Well, that's dumb. Honestly, I didn't really like the Incredible Hulk. It was it was decent. It wasn't. What was my the actor's favorite. name? Edward Norton. Yeah. No offense to Edward Norton. I do like him, but it wasn't my favorite. Yeah, it wasn't the best movie, but it was all right. It was decent. Plus, I like the guy they replaced him with. Mark Ruffalo. Woo! <laughs> what a babe. What a babe. Honestly. Um, but yeah, that's about it. What about you, buddy? I went to L.A. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Um, what did you guys do there? L.A. saw BTS. Right. And I was supposed to go to like a bar or something because I didn't have a ticket. Mm-hmm. I wasn't invited. <coughs> <laughs> um, I wasn't... I'm, I, I I was gonna say I'm not a BTS fan, but I'm saying I wasn't a BTS fan. So you currently I, I, are a I'm BTS kind, fan. Kind of am getting. Into I've never them. listened to them. Yeah, yeah, that's it's pretty good. Um, but they have such a huge following; it's they insane do. over there. They are like the face of South Korea. Mm-hmm. It's like oh my god. But uh, she got to see them, and I was supposed to go to a bar or something. But I just. just waited outside of the stadium <laughs> and i think i walked around i did a few laps around the stadium it's gigantic why didn't you go to the bar i didn't want to like uber somewhere and then have to uber back plus i got to listen to the songs outside of the stadium and um the, my first lap around i was trying to find a door to sneak in i was gonna like were you actually like legit i was you considering it yeah dong. there was an open gate and there was this one lady who was just sitting there like facing to, like inside the stadium like she wasn't looking out so i was like if i just run and like, you know, wiggle my way, like stink my way through the people. They're not going to find me. I have no idea where I'm at. I was about to do it. I got so close. And I was like, you know what? That's not very, that's not very uh, BTS of me. Wow. That's not what BTS stands <laughs> that's for. That's not what BTS you is gotta about. You got to pay. Yes. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it was, it was okay. Um, it stood in a very long lines uh-huh. outside. And as soon as Ali got in, I, I left the line that we were standing in together, and I went in the merch line, and I got her a hoodie um, while she was inside, because the lines were just ridiculous. I didn't mm-hmm. know if she was going to be able to get anything. So, but she's really happy that she got to see them, finally. Um, and then we saw Hollywood Boulevard. The uh, the city, no offense to LA, smells like piss. It, it's just dirty, and it smells bad. But I mean, we only saw a few parts of LA. LA is such a big city. And there's good and bad parts, just like Chicago, just like any city. But when we Ubered all over the place, some of our Uber drivers were like, oh, you're from Chicago's, you know, first time in L.A. And they were giving us, like, tips and, like, places that we should check out. One of the Uber drivers told us about this trail that goes up the really tall mountain in L.A. And it's like you're above the clouds. Mm -hmm. And on a clear day, you can see the entire city. Mm -hmm. You're so high up. So definitely we want to go back um, because we didn't get to spend too much time out there. And um, there's a lot more that we need to see. But we went to Santa Monica Pier. We took electric scooters to Venice. Uh, we ate at a really nice Korean restaurant, really fancy. That was that was incredible. Uh, I got In-N-Out Burger for the first time, which was really cool. Um, and then we had connecting flights in Phoenix and Denver. So we got, a, got to kind of see a little bit of those. Um, Denver airport, if you don't know, is surrounded by conspiracy, like aliens. And there's Mm -hmm. like a secret thing underneath the airport. And then there's the giant horse outside Blucifer, the giant blue horse, with the glowing red eyes that's outside the airport, which is a bunch of weird shit. So I'm glad I got to see Denver airport, but, uh, it was very cool. I'm glad I got to see California for the first time. I'm glad she got to see BTS. That was the whole point of us going out there. Sounds like a good week. 
It was an incredible week. It was a life-changing week. Mm-hmm. Good shit. Our beer is from Pipeworks. What'd you tell me? <laughs> is your stuff loaded? Yeah, it is. Okay, go ahead. Why is it from Pipeworks again? I know. We're doing Pipeworks again. Fucking everywhere. It's going to become a Pipeworks podcast. Where we only drink Pipeworks beer. We just talked about them. Last episode. If you didn't listen, go listen to it. We had a Pipeworks beer. It's that one. Not far from the tree. We're doing another one. Um, 3912 West McLean Avenue, Chicago. We're going to have this address memorized. Uh, I pulled this from Wikipedia because I wasn't going to say the same thing that you said. And we've talked about them so much already that we don't really need to say much. But I figured I'd include a little bit because if like if someone decides to listen and they just listen to this episode, they kind of they would want to know who Pipeworks is. So Pipeworks began their brewing different from other microbreweries and that they initially brewed their beers entirely as a series of one-off beers that were aimed specifically to the niche market of beer connoisseurs. Us. <laughs> The brewery's stated goal is to release a new beer every week. This approach gave the brewery and its beers somewhat of a cult status among beer enthusiasts, with its offerings selling out relatively quickly. After seeing significant growth, both in output brand and identity, Pipeworks has since augmented uh, their one-off beers with several of its core beers in 16-ounce can four-packs, now regularly available widely throughout the Chicago area. And you talked about who they distribute to a bunch Mm -hmm, of different mm -hmm. states around the U.S. I did. The beer is called Forest Fauna. Interesting. Forest Fauna. That fits. It fits perfectly. I'm glad I was able to find a foresty beer. Uh, when I was looking on Benny's, I my first search was suicide. And I was like... Mm. Yes, hello. I'm calling this Benny's. <laughs> Benny's. <laughs> Do you have a beer that's just yeah, called suicide? Actually, someone called me and they were like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> But then I searched forest, and I was like, oh, actually, there's beers with the word forest in it. What a surprise. So this piney citrusy IPA is treated with bows of fresh resinous spruce tips. Interesting. It's like a wintry hike through a forest with your best unicorn friend. Why a unicorn? That's what, that's what they said. This is a new kind of Christmas IPA, utilizing fresh spruce tips to enhance the piney festive flavors. The mixture of Simcoe and Centennial hops makes this the ultimate crispy hoppy bonfire sipper i do like centennial hops i can't if we probably had simcoe before but i can't remember and i believe this beer was originally released around december of 2019 mm-hmm. so two years ago but i saw on some beer sites that it was available as recent as like last month i mean it's still i went to schaumburg benny's and they have it in stock so i don't know if like pipeworks continued to brew it or if this is just really old mm. <laughs> but we're gonna find out did you check like the- i didn't look at the cans okay nope. maybe next time <laughs> we'll give it a shot uh this is an american ipa okay Craftbeer.com says, characterized by floral, fruity, citrus-like piney or resinous American variety hop character, the IPA beer style is all about hop flavor, aroma, and bitterness. This has been the most entered category in the Great American Beer Festival for more than a decade and is the top-selling craft beer style in supermarkets and liquor stores across the U.S. American IPAs generally have a pale to medium color, 6 to 12 SRM, high in bitterness, 50 to 70 IBU, and generally medium-er to higher-er in ABV, 6.3 to 7.5. It's good to pair with spicy tuna rolls, blue cheeses, and persimmon rice pudding. Oh, I really want sushi. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, If you were going to say, I really want blue cheese, I have blue cheese. I wasn't. So we can try some blue cheese with this beer. We can try it. Do you just, like, what, like a block of blue cheese? Uh, You can do, like, yeah, I don't know, like a little fork. Do you have a block of blue cheese? Yeah, I have blue cheese. Just, like, sliced blue cheese or a full block of blue cheese? It's like a triangle of blue cheese. Yeah. What do you use that for? Like blue cheese crumbles, we put it in. I don't know. Oh. I, I think Ali bought it. Interesting. So we have blue cheese, like in crackers too. So if you want to okay, try, we'll try it. Yeah. This is six point seven ABV, unknown IBU or SRM. It has a beer advocate score of eighty-seven. Very good. It is ranked three thousand one hundred twenty-five in American IPAs, twenty-one thousand seven hundred sixty-nine overall, and it has an average rating of three point nine five out of nineteen ratings. Hmm. So not bad. Uh, we'll see. This is one of those where it could go either way. Mm. But piney, Christmassy, resiny. Uh, 87. Piney, resiny, citrusy, Christmassy IPA. I'm going to go get it. Okay. I'll be here. Got some spots on my glass. Water spots. It's clean. Promise. Okay. Pipeworks Forest Fauna. 
<laughs> Spruce tip IPA. Full on unicorn. I noticed there's a lot of unicorn imagery in beer. Is it in Pipeworks beer? Uh, or just in general? Maybe in beer? it is just Pipeworks beer. Do they do Blood of the Unicorn? I think so. Yeah, they have that and another one that's unicorn themed. And their last one had unicorn skulls on it. Yeah, they got some unicorn stuff. I hate when I get my thumb in it. I don't like that. It smells good. Piney, hoppy. Adjectives. Other words. You know what I've come to realize? I'm not good at boggle. You played boggle recently? For the first time, and probably the last time. <laughs> I played it with my family on Thanksgiving, and I am not good at it. The only thing I like about that game is like pushing the thing to make the dice spin. Wow. Picture. Okay. It looks very good. Very I don't bubbly. know. It, it smells like an IP. It's clear. It's uh, yeah. on the on the lighter side. But it, uh, I don't know, hops and yeah, kind of like trees. Kind of like trees. It does smell piney. Yeah, Christmassy. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I can't really, it just smells hoppy. Interesting. Hmm. I'm not getting much. I'm getting a, the citrus. I can detect the citrus in like the swallow in the back end. Very bitter swallow. It's intense, but not overpowering. I don't know. That's a very strange flavor. It's not bad. It's just. All I'm getting is the bitter swallow and tingling on my tongue. I'm not getting any flavor. I guess piney. In the burp, it's piney. Yeah. It's interesting. Tastes like trees. Let's rank this. Real quick. Oh, yeah. I'll give this one a seven. I'll put it at a five. I want to have another really disgusting beer. <laughs> you want a disgusting beer? Yeah, I want to have one of those moments where I'm just like, ten! <laughs> Like my reaction to that, like gluten-free beer, or my oh, reaction yeah. to uh, uh, solitude and sadness. Yeah, wasn't or, great. What was the other one? Famosa wasn't great. No, no, great. no, the one that I hated. The one that I said tastes like salty shark anus. Oh, sequench. Yeah, no, one of those visceral reactions. Aoki Gahara. Aoki Gahara. Aoki Gahara. Aoki Gahara. Do I have to pronounce it Aoki or Aoki? Aoki. Aoki. Aoki Gahara. Aoki Gahara. Or Blue Tree Meadow, also known as the Sea of Trees, is the forest, is a forest on the northwestern flank of Mount Fuji on the island of Honshu in Japan, thriving on 12 square miles of hardened lava laid down by the last major eruption of Mount Fuji in 864 CE. The western edge of Aokigahara, where there are several caves that fill with ice in winter, is a popular destination for tourists and school trips. School trips. Mm-hmm. Parts of Aokigahara are very dense, and the porous lava rock absorbs sound, contributing to a sense of solitude that some visitors attribute to the forest. Quiet, peaceful, and serene. The forest has a historical reputation as a home to yurei, or ghosts of the dead in Japanese mythology. At least since the 1960s, Aokigahara has become associated with suicide, eventually becoming known in English by the nickname The Suicide Forest, and gaining reputation as one of the world's most used suicide sites. Because of this, signs at the head of some trails urge suicidal visitors to think of their families and contact a suicide prevention association. So I guess it is a forest, so there'll be some description of forest stuff (laughs) (laughs) the forest floor mostly consists of volcanic rock designated trails lead to several tourist attractions uh, such as the uh, fukagu i don't know if i said that fukagu (laughs) Uh, fukaku sorry wind cave lake saibat cave um There are three larger lava caves Mm -hmm. uh, are three larger lava caves near mount fuji the ice cave being frozen year-round which sounds very interesting. Oh, wow. Aokigahara has been falsely portrayed as a place where navigational compasses go haywire. Needles of magnetic compasses will move if placed directly on the lava, aligning with the rock's natural magnetism, which I thought that was interesting. It reminds me of uh, the Bermuda Triangle, which is, I don't think we've done yet. 
That would be a cool topic. We haven't. I feel like we've talked about it, but we haven't done a topic on it. Yeah. Um, it's flora and fauna are mammals, which include the Asian black bear, small Japanese mole, bats, mice, deer, fox, boar, wild rabbit, Japanese mink, and Japanese squirrel. Episode 31 was on the Bermuda Triangle. Are we that? S- <laughs> oh, my God. I don't even remember that. What I was the beer? I don't either. Oh, my God. We did it already. I picked the beer for that episode. It was... Shapes and lines. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. Wow. You know what's really funny? I was recently thinking about how it's so surprising we haven't been like, let's do this topic. Oh, we did that already. Yeah. This one right here. And then there's a bunch of birds. One of them is the great tit. Yeah, I love great tits. The willow tit and the long-tailed tit. I thought you were going to say the long tit. (laughs) The long tit. He plays a long game. There are ground beetles and other insects, which you would expect in a forest. There's a bunch of trees, conifers, broadleaf trees, some shrubs. Shrubs. We want a shrubbery. Man, these tits look great. Oh, stop. Look at these tits, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. They're so pretty. Oh, wow. What a great set of tits. Yeah. Uh, Aokigahara is sometimes referred to as the most popular site for suicide in Japan. In 2003, 105 bodies were found in the forest, exceeding the previous record of 78 in 2002. In 2010, the police recorded more than 200 people having attempted suicide in the forest, of whom 54 completed the act. Suicides are said to increase during March, the end of the fiscal year in Japan. As of 2011, the most common means of suicide in the forest were hanging or drug overdose. In recent years, local officials have stopped publicizing the numbers in an attempt to decrease Aokigahara's association with suicide. The rate of suicide has led officials to place a sign at the forest entrance, like I said, urging Mm -hmm. suicidal visitors to seek help. Annual body searches have been conducted by police, volunteers, and journalists since 1970. The site's popularity has been attributed to uh, Saicho, or Seicho Matsumo, Matsumoto's 1961 novel Name no to, Tower of Waves. Mm-hmm. However, the history of suicide in Aokigahara pre- uh, predates the novel's publication. And the place has long been associated with death. Uh, Ubatsut may have been practiced there into the 19th century, and the forest is reputedly haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, which... Uh, I didn't know what a bot suit meant. It's abandoning an old woman. Oh, okay. Seems sad. They, have they a word specifically for that. have to have a word yeah. for that. There's also a few. Uh, I don't know if you go into any media. Uh, uh, besides showing some pictures, no. Okay. Uh, there's some movie. There's a movie um, about it. Uh, there's some anime, some manga. Films, books, music, video games. Um, in 2015, there was the film The Sea of Trees with Matthew McConaughey, Ken Watanabe, and Naomi Watts. Um, and then there's also the 2016 film The Forest, who stars, um, what's her name? She's uh, from Game of Thrones. Marjorie Stark? No, not Stark. She married Joffrey. Natalie Dormer? Yes. Uh, and then during late 2017 and early 2018, everyone should remember this, Logan Paul visited the suicide forest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and said some very controversial things yep, and showed that. the body of a suicide victim. Not a lot of people are a fan of him. No, they didn't like that. That is my section. Hmm. I have a couple articles. Okay. Stories. I'm excited. One's a narrative. I'm on um, the edge of my seat. And the other one is um, talks about a photographer that goes in and sort of talks about the forest and takes a lot of really cool pictures, which I'll show on my TV here and will also be on the website for this episode. First one is from the Japan Times. It's called Inside Aokigahara, Japan's Suicide Forest. It's by Rob Gilhuli, published June 26, 2011. I need to get my Rob Gilhooly voice. Is there a specific voice? I'm walking through the Aokigara. Oh, my God. <laughs> what was that? It's Rob, that's what I think Rob sounds like. Oh, okay. You, have, oh. you don't know what he sounds like. I don't. Okay. Okay. I'm walking through Aokigahara Jukai Forest, the light rapidly fading... 
on a midwinter afternoon when I am stopped dead in my tracks by a blood-curdling scream. The natural reaction would be to run, but the forest floor is a maze of roots and slippery rocks, and truth be told, I am lost in this vast woodland whose name in part translate as, translate as Sea of Trees. Inexplicably, I find myself moving toward the sound, searching for signs of life. Instead, I find death. The source of that scream remains a mystery as, across the clearing, I see what looks like a pile of clothes. But as I approach, it becomes apparent it's more than just clothes I've spotted. In a small hollow just below a tree, and curled up like a baby on a thick bed of dead leaves, lies a man, his thinning gray hair matted across his balding cranium. His pasty upper torso is shirtless, while his legs are covered only by black long johns, with blue striped boxers sticking out above the waistband, and a pair of woolly socks. Under his bent legs, a pair of slacks, a white shirt, and a jacket have been spread out as a cushion as his final resting place. Scattered around are innumerable documents, a briefcase, and other remnants of a former life. Nearer to him are items more closely related to his demise. Empty packets of prescription pills, beer cans, and bottles of liquor. Seemingly, this man, who looks to be in his mid-fifties, had drawn his last breath before I heard that unsourced, chilling cry. That I came across a body in this forest was a shock, but not a surprise. For half a century, thousands of life-weary Japanese have made one-way trips to the sprawling 18-square-mile tract of woodland in Yamanashi Prefecture on the northwest flank of the 12,388-foot Mount Fuji, the nation's highest peak. <coughs> it's a dark place of stark beauty, long associated with demons in Japanese mythology. You destroyed that beer. <laughs> and one that has earned itself the unfortunate appellation of suicide forest. Evidence of such pilgrimages is strewn amid the dense undergrowth. Four pairs of moss-covered shoes are lined up on the gnarled roots of a tree. Two adult-sized pairs and two children's pairs. Oof. There's a, a photo that he included in the article. Makes me think of Ernest Hemingway's um, brief story. Do you care if I interrupt? No. Um, so there's a story that Ernest Hemingway went into a bar and a guy bet him that he couldn't write a meaningful or I'm remembering this from like years ago, <laughs> a meaningful or impactful story in just like a few words. So he wrote, I, I can't remember. I could be butchering this, but I believe he wrote for sale baby shoes never worn. Oh yeah. I've seen that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He couldn't write like a memorable thing, like in like six words or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Damn. Further on, there's an envelope of photos, one showing a young man, another two small children, dressed in colorful kimonos and elementary school uniform. Together with the photos, there's a typed note to hide, most likely the name of a man, including the final stanza of Song of the Open Road, Walt Whitman's poem from 1900 that ends with the line, Shall we stick by each other as long as we live? Nobody can know exactly how that line was answered. There was no sign of life, no sign of human remains. Local police suggest wild animals often uh, get to corpses before they do, so clouding the issue of exactly how many achieved their goal and end it all here. Nonetheless, bodies are frequently discovered in monthly sweeps coordinated by the police and local volunteer firemen. As they move around the forest, these searchers leave color-coded plastic tapes strung between trees to mark where they have searched and where they have found items or bodies, or sometimes simply to mark their way back out of this sylvan maze. Altogether, police records show that 247 people made suicide attempts in the forest in 2010, 54 of them successfully. Local officials and residents believe that number could be significantly higher. There are people who come here to end their lives in Aokigahara Jukai, but uncertain as to where exactly the forest is, kill themselves in neighboring woodland, said Masamichi Watanabe, chief of the Fujioko, Fujigoko Fire Department that covers this area. Even so, his officers still recover an annual average of 100 people from the forest in various states of consciousness, including an increasing number who try to take their lives by inhaling toxic gas in their cars, either from the exhaust or charcoal burners they bring with them. What is certain, though, is that the numbers continue to rise each year, Watanabe added. This is also the case nationwide. In January, a National Police Agency report indicated that 31,690 people committed suicide in 2010, the 13th consecutive year in which the figures topped 30,000. In fact, according to the World Health Organization data, 
the suicide rate in Japan is 25.8 per 100,000 people, the highest among developed nations and more than double that of the United States. Experts are quick to point out the impact of the global financial crisis, especially since the world's third third largest economy suffered its most severe contraction in over 30 years in 2009. It is also believed that next year, referring to 2012, this was written in 2011, we'll see a further rise in suicides due to the magnitude 9 megaquake and tsunami that hit the Tohoku region of northeastern Japan on March 11th. It's likely to have a huge influence, said Yoshinori Cho, director of the psychiatry department at Teikyo University in Kawasaki, Kanagawa Prefecture, and author of a book titled Hitowa Naze Jisatu Suru no Ka, Why Do People Commit Suicide? Already there have been several suicides by relatives of disaster victims, while the long-term effects of life in evacuation shelters may also lead to depression, and thus directly or indirectly to further suicides, Cho added. It's not just regular depression, but also clinical depression due to the stress caused by the reality of their circumstances. Depression is a huge risk factor when it comes to suicide. According to NPA reports, a major suicide trigger in 2010 was depression, and some 57% of all the suicide victims were out of work when they died. Among those, men in their 50s were most numerous, though men in their 30s and 40s has been the demographic showing the biggest percentage increase in the past few years. This generation has a lot of difficulty finding permanent jobs, and instead people take on temp work that is unstable and causes great anxiety, said Yukio Saito. Executive Director of Inochi no Denwa Lifeline, a volunteer telephone counseling service that last year fielded nearly 70,000 calls from people contemplating suicide. Callers most frequently cite mental health and family problems as the reason for contemplating suicide, Saito said. But behind that are other issues such as financial problems or losing their job. Although financial worries are undoubtedly major drivers of modern-day suicide, other unique cultural and historical factors also seem to play a part. In some countries, suicide is illegal... What the fuck? Yeah. Or at least largely unacceptable on religious or other moral grounds, but in Japan, there is no such stigma. Isn't suicide illegal in the U.S.? How do you make that illegal? Um, hang on, yeah. How do laws apply to you after you kill yourself? Uh, people can... I think it's illegal if you... If you can get prosecuted for trying <coughs> and having like a failed attempt. What the fuck? Oh, it's no longer considered a crime. It used to be considered a crime. I imagine from like some religious standpoint, it became a crime because it is considered a sin. Yeah, but can you imagine someone who's so just down and depressed and like... Yeah, and they just tried to kill themselves and now you're being... Yeah, and now you're charging them? Yeah, you're being... For a crime? Brought to court. over the, That's not going to make them want to live anymore. Throughout Japanese history, suicide has never been prohibited on religious or moral grounds, said Cho. Also, apart from on two specific occasions in the Meiji era, um, from 1868 to 1912, suicide has never been declared illegal. Lifeline's Saito concurred, saying, Suicide is quite permissible in Japanese society, something honorable that is even glorified. The tradition of honorable suicide dates back to centuries to Japan's feudal era, when samurai warriors would commit uh, seppuku, as a way to uphold their honor rather than fall into the hands of an enemy. The present-day acceptance of suicide stems from this, Cho said. Vestiges of the seppuku culture can be seen today in the way suicide is viewed as a way of taking responsibility, he observed. Uh, it talks about the book that you mentioned, Tower of Waves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book, which this year posts its 50th anniversary in 2011, concludes with its beautiful heroine, who is involved in a socially unacceptable relationship heading into the forest to end her life. In fact, that suicide trend in the forest peaked in 2004 when Yamanashi Prefectural Police figures show 108 people killed themselves there. In recent years, local authorities have implemented measures to try and reduce that toll, including sitting security cameras at the main entrances to the forest and carrying out round-the-clock patrols. At the entrances, there are also signs that read, Think carefully about your children, your family. Below them is the phone number of a volunteer group headed by lawyers specializing in debt advice, as debt is a common suicide trigger. Yeah. The signs were erected by 38-year-old Toyoki Yoshida, who himself attempted suicide due to debt. He blames Japan's money-lending system, which the government has now reformed to a degree. 
As things stood, Yoshida said, major banks would provide loans to loan sharks at 2% interest, and then the sharks would loan to people like me at 29.2%. Mm. But despite the reform, it's still not hard to amass crippling debts in this country. Vigilant shopkeepers also play a role in the prevention effort. Hideo Watanabe, 64, whose Lakeside Cafe faces an entrance to the forest, said, th said that he had saved around 160 people over the past 30 years. Most people who come to this area for pleasure do so in groups, he said, so if I see someone on their own, I will go and talk to them. After a few basic questions, it's usually not so difficult to tell which ones might be here on a suicide mission. On one occasion, he said a young woman who had tried to kill herself walked past his store. She had tried to hang herself and failed. She had part of the rope around her neck and her eyes were almost popping out of their sockets. I took her inside, made her some tea, and called an ambulance. A few kind words can go a long way. Shaozen Yamashita, a priest who conducts Buddhist rites in the forest to pray for the repose of thousands of people who have died there over the years, agreed, adding that the lack of support networks in Japan is a main cause of the ever-increasing suicide rate. They have no one to talk to, no one to share the pain, the suffering, he said. So they think, if I take my life, I can escape this misery. We conduct these rites in order to ponder how we might help make a world that is free of such suffering. The thing that's upsetting is... You know, I'm pretty open about my mental health. I've been there. I've been so low that, you know, the only thought was that, oh my God, my eye hurts. The only thought that, you know, would make me feel better was I could just kill myself. I could end it and that I wouldn't feel the pain anymore. And that's why depression and anxiety and all that stuff is just horrible. And then the fact that, you know, <laughs> debt is a reason for yes. that. It's just yeah because you feel like you don't have a way out. Right. That is terrifying. Yes. And there's, yeah, there's so much to blame. It's not just one particular thing that's the source of all of it. It's just everything adding and accumulating. And mm -hmm. it, uh, it gets to a point where the pressure just builds and builds. And after a while, you just come to this clarity of like, I could just kill myself. And then to act on it is even harder. It's f frightening. It's not only the um, people coming to those conclusions is frightening, but the fact that the world that we live in is an antonym of helpful. I was trying to think of a... <laughs> uh, it's just, it's not made to assist people in, mm -hmm. in those times of need. Uh, there are, especially in Japan, so many lacking networks where you can reach out to people and, and talk and and... <laughs> Just the way society is here in the United States, it's very hard to to make it. It's very hard to be successful, mm -hmm. and it it can be so stressful. Um, and some some days you just feel like giving up, and it's it's hard. But I know one of the things that helped me um, with my depression is my family and friends. Uh, been a huge help and very much you um, and I like that we're we're doing this and we get to see each other and talk so much but I think that's really what helps me the most when I'm when I was feeling down um, look, fortunately it's gotten a lot better since then but um, yeah just remembering my family and my friends and knowing that I have people there for me mm -hmm. to help me but there are people in Japan who have don't have those outlets Mm -hmm. to utilize and it's it's crazy to think how much higher it is out there than it is here in the u.s yeah that's actually surprising to me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there is a um let me see if i can find it on youtube it's oh okay hmm. <laughs> what was that didn't, uh was like a chicken let's talk about sex it's um oh god what is happening? I don't know. Why are this you? Is, why did you type at, in sex in Japan? Because I thought that's the name of the documentary. Documentary. Maybe I should add documentary. Oh, maybe. To filter out all this stuff. It is called Sex in Japan. So if you're going to look this up on YouTube, make sure you put in Sex in Japan documentary. Oh, there's a, looks like bondage below that. Unless he's just wearing a neck. Nope, I was right. It's bondage. Yeah. So there's a, um, it's a documentary. It's 26 minutes long called Sex in Japan Dying for Company. And it's very interesting and enlightening um it it tells you a lot about the culture out there and and um how most people live their day-to-day -day lives and the the um image 
the thumbnail image, it says, what's the, what's driving Japan's declining birth rate? Um, and it, it talks it part, part in that documentary talks about suicide mm. and it talks about how lonely, um, Japanese, you know, young adults are mm. 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 50 year olds who are just trying to work and live. Mm. And it talks about how lonely they get. And the documentary is mostly about sex and how Japan views sex, but it, it does have some tie-ins. Um, Interesting. Definitely recommend it. Check it out. Sex in Japan, Dying for Company. You can watch it. You can watch it for free on uh, YouTube. Twenty six minutes long. It's not bad. Uh, and then Is that my, the only picture you had? No, I have more for the second article. The second one. It's a little bit shorter. It's a National Geographic article. It's called "An Ethereal Forest Where Japanese Commit Suicide." Photographer Tomas Lazar asks us to envision the final walk of those who have died in Aokigahara mm. Forest, as well as the spirits that remain. This uh, article is by Alexa Keefe, published February 23rd, 2017. At the base of Mount Fuji is a dense, verdant forest. From above, the trees swing, and the wind are reminiscent of the sea, giving the Aokigahara Forest a second name, Jukai, or Sea of Trees. The ground below is uneven and riddled with small caves, moss-covered roots growing on top of the dried lava that once flowed there. The soil has a high iron content, which interferes the GPS and cell phone signals. This is a very easy place to get lost. Visitors are strongly encouraged to stay on the trails. There are some people, however, who enter the forest with the intention of not coming out. Signs at the forest entrances remind visitors that their lives are precious to think of their families. At the bottom of the signs is the number for a suicide hotline. Japan's suicide rates are among the highest in the developed world. Aokigahara has gained notoriety as a popular suicide spot. The reasons for this rooted in folklore and literary pop culture. Local legend has it that Aokigahara was a place where people once practiced up- Basute, Ubasute, taking an elderly or sick relative to a remote area and leaving them to die. <clears throat> which you talked about. Tower of Waves, which we also talked about, 1960 novel by Saichu Matsumoto, features a beautiful love-torn heroine who commits suicide there. The complete manual of suicide by Wataru Tsurumi, Tsurumi named the forest as a perfect place to die. The suicide forest, as it is also referred to, is clearly a place that captures the darker side of the imagination. Photographer Tomas Lazar first heard about the forest when he was in the middle of, of school and a fan of sci-fi and horror films. Later, when conceiving Sea of Trees, a project based around the theme of consequences, he thought again about Aokigahara and what he found to be the romanticism of tragedy occurring in a place of such beauty. For Lazar, the forest became a way to explore the consequences of depression in a country like Japan, which culturally neither shares the openness of discussing mental health issues nor the same stigma around suicide as exists in the West. With the help of guides, Lazar ventured into areas of the forest where suicides most often occur, following lines of plastic tape tied to trees by rescue workers to mark where they have found something, or as an escape route from, for people who have not fully made up their minds to go through it. After a high number of suicides were reported in 2004, a total of 108, officials stopped publicizing deaths for fear of glorifying the practice, as you mentioned. Yamanashi Prefecture, where the forest is located, began hiring people in 2009 to patrol the forest and approach anyone who might not look like the average tourist out on a hike. While this has helped discourage suicide in some cases, there are ongoing reports of bodies being discovered. His guide, Toru Kurihara, once discovered 36 bodies over a period of 37 days, Lazar says. Lazar didn't find any bodies himself, though he and Kurihara came across evidence of their own. Empty campsites, discarded jackets, nooses hanging from trees, and empty bottles of bleach. Lazar's aim, however, was not to photograph the death directly, but capture the overall feeling of the place. He chose to photograph using black and white infrared film, which makes trees and vegetation appear with a white glow. While white is the symbol of death and mourning in Japan, I wanted to show the atmosphere of the forest, the last walk of the person, he says. Mm. So, these are the photos that he took. Mm. And that's the forest floor and how uneven it is because of the lava, which I didn't know about. Looks like the Forbidden Forest. Yeah. Some personal belongings of someone. That's the tape that responders use. And just like, yeah, it does look like the Forbidden Forest. All the the brambles and Mm -hmm. branches all over the place. Moss covering everything. 
It's really hard to hike here. It's hard to walk through mm-hmm. since the ground's so uneven. And uh, because of the magma, it's uh, solidified on top of the forest floor. Most trees aren't able to root themselves into the ground. So you'll see a lot of trees like that. And that's, uh, I think, like a jacket. Oh, that's a tent. Um, someone camped out there, and that's a tent that's been destroyed or blown down. That's all those photos. Mm-hmm. They'll be on the website. Um, <clears throat> if you're in the United States and you know English or Spanish, and I don't know, you listen to this episode, or if anyone listens to this episode and they've thought about this before, they're feeling this way, uh, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1 800 273 8255. 800 273 8255. 24 hours a day in the United States, English and Spanish. Um, and if you're listening outside, there's numbers for, I'm sure there's numbers for most other countries also, but that's the one here for the U.S. And uh, 24 hours. Don't be afraid to call it. They're um, helpful. We get uh, transfers sometimes. We have a, a center in Batavia, mm-hmm. Suicide Prevention Center in Batavia. We get transfer calls a lot uh, from people. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's, they disconnect and then they call us and with the information that we try to reach out to them or try to send them help. Um, I don't know if I've ever had to talk to someone uh, who was thinking about that. Can't imagine. It's mm-hmm. it's difficult. It's hard. And um, <clears throat> you're not alone. You're not the only person dealing with it. I've dealt with it. Paige has dealt with it. Um, most of us deal with it. And it shouldn't be stigmatized, you know? And people should be more open about helping others and dealing with that. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean for this episode to get so dark and depressing, but that's what happens when you talk about a suicide forest in Japan, I guess. <laughs> I can't imagine it would have gone anyone else. I feel like it would have been a little weird if it had taken a happy note. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the forest in Japan! <laughs> Rainbows. <laughs> what did you think of the beer? Oh, God. How much is that now? Did that? My knees. Oof. I can crack my knees. Yeah, you need to take some jokes supplements. <laughs> yeah. Or just get... New knees. New knees. Bionic <laughs> knees. Million dollar man, we can rebuild. <laughs> we have the, the technology. technology. Beer was good. Um, Nothing too exciting or crazy about it. Uh, it's far from one of my favorites, far from one of my favorites in general, and far from one of my favorites from Pipeworks. I think I put this one step below that far from the tree, mm-hmm. which also talked about trees, which that's really weird. But yeah, it's it's on the lighter side. It's very hoppy. Uh, it's definitely got the bitterness um, associated with the hops. And then I think the pininess and the resiny treeiness kind of adds to that. So it's just, I don't know, not a whole lot of flavor. The citrus I kind of get towards the end, but it's very subtle. But it's it's a decent beer. I wouldn't get it again. Um, it smells great, though. I like how it smells. I'd wear that as a cologne. <laughs> what about you? Um, I didn't really get a lot of flavor in up front. It smelled great, mm-hmm. but... You know, flavor-wise, I was just kind of like, this doesn't really show anything on my tongue. In the swallow, it was very bitter from the hops. Um, it, w- it was very easy to drink, though, I will say. It was yeah. very... It's not overpowering. No, not at all. And I think that's... I don't think Centennial hops were ever that, mm-hmm. you know, in your face. Compared to Mosaic hops, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I finished it. So you did. So that's, you know, that doesn't happen all the time. You're right. That's that says something. If Paige finished the beer, it's good. Exactly. I thought it was it was decent. We've had better IPAs. Like we've had IPAs where we've tasted them and we've both gone, Oh Bruh. I think mm. I think the only other um American IPA that we had was the man. I love the man. Episode 8 by Elman the Brewing Company. good. That was an American... Oh, no. We had Junior Astronaut Juice, which is that even better. That was so good. Yes. Junior Astronaut Juice was good. Oh, we've had more than just one. West Coast Wizard, mm-hmm. which was also good, was if good. I remember right. That um, was good. We yeah, we've it. had a few American IPAs. Bloodline by Flying Dog. That one was okay. I don't remember if I liked that one. Um, I don't think we did. No, we rated that pretty low. 
But we've had other American IPAs. This one kind of, you know, in the middle. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the man was really good. Just kind of coasted by. Like yeah. on my palate, I was just like, yeah, I could drink this, but it's not like I'm like enjoying it 100%, you yeah. know? It's It wasn't a great beer. It wasn't a bad beer. Yeah. Fits somewhere in the middle. Well, I mean, it got a score of 87, which doesn't that mean good? Very good. Sounds very good. Yeah. I mean, but this is only the third episode, so I'm excited to see what... Uh, I'm going to try and get weird. <laughs> we said that, like, didn't you say that the last 10 or the 10 before I that? I did weird stuff but, last time. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm all about it. Um, I like that you pick the beer first and before the topic usually, and then... I don't know. And and I sometimes I will intentionally go out of my way to get shittier beers. See, that's what I was saying. I want to have that visceral reaction of like <laughs> this is disgusting. Just to just to try them, just to say that mm-hmm. we've tried it and know that we don't like it. And who knows, we might be pleasantly surprised and we might actually enjoy it or vice versa, we might try a beer that's like we've done that before. We've tried a beer that's like world class and we we're like, "Eh." So, and everyone's got their own palate, their own taste, so. I'm towing a line cuz I'm like I want to in <coughs> I want to buy the beer and enjoy the beer. Like, I don't want to just buy a beer to be like, right. yes, I'm going to think this is disgusting. Yeah. But then I'm also like, I want to have that reaction where I'm like, it's ripped from me. <laughs> where I'm just like, oh, this beer took something from me that I'll never be able to get back. <laughs> Scarred for life. I'll, uh, I'll try and look around. We'll see. I'm going to next, next topic. I think because, you know, it's, we're getting into mm-hmm. holiday season, you know, I, I've got some ideas in mind. So I think I'm going to try and find some more seasonal on themed beers and usually those get a little weird a beer that tastes like christmas ornaments <laughs> glass it's just ground <laughs> up glass just, just a, a glass of glass, glass. <laughs> oh well what is this why, why is it rattling <laughs> the aftertaste of blood <laughs> this is interesting like, mm-hmm. why does my mouth taste like copper <laughs> very irony it's iron mm, forward interesting beerandfearcast.com is our website uh, all the photos for this episode that we looked at, you can look at on uh, episode 63's link. If you click on episodes at the top or in the sidebar, episode 63 is right at the top. And um, you can look at the photos with us while you're listening. Um, and uh, new episodes every Wednesday at noon is when we release them. We do video episodes also, so this the video episode will be available to watch when the uh, podcast episode gets released. It's on YouTube. You can watch them for free Wednesday at noon. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, and TikTok. And you can follow us and keep up to date with our episodes and beers and links and things like that. And then beerandfearcast at gmail.com is our email if you want to reach out to us. We got to do some of those flights. Can people start listening so we can do something with the flights, please? Maybe we'll just... um. I still think we should do my idea where we do like the bracket of oh yeah the, our top rated beers throughout the seasons that we've done. Yeah, no, that'd be a good idea. Like grab the the number one beers and then like maybe just pick four of them and then try those and figure yeah. out which one's the best. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Should do that. That's episode sixty three on Aokigata. Have a good day. Whoa.